Good afternoon and welcome to the program. We're live, we're local, and we are underway with our monthly check-in with Ryan McCready. He is the president and CEO of the Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance. We always appreciate his time, and we uh, start this afternoon, Ryan, where we have started, I think, every conversation you and I have had in the last few months with the latest on the Wyndham and where do things stand here. We're now, uh, uh, we're uh, almost two months into Mayor Misty Busher's term. I know she's been working hard on this, but uh, give us an update from your perspective as to where things stand and are we getting closer to any kind of a deal? So we continue to um, facilitate conversations between the mayor, her administration, and the owner of the hotel, Mr. Rajabi and, and Tower Capital, uh, talking through, you know, uh, what, what her desires are for the project, what the developer feels like they can do, and we still are having those conversations, which is good news. Uh, what you don't want to happen in a situation like this is for conversations to stop, and so we're still working through some of the points. Um, the mayor is is uh, making sure that the owner understands what uh, the community's projections are as far as how much uh, tax revenue would be generated by the various incentives, make sure they have an accurate accurate understanding of what we expect those to be. That way they can explain to those to their financial institutions that are looking to finance the deal. So things are still, still progressing. Um, both parties are, you know, still getting to know each other and conversations are continuing. So I, I still feel optimistic about that, and, and as long as we can keep talking, we still have a potential to get this very important building redeveloped and, and assisting and supporting our convention and tourism industries. I'm sure you're limited into into what you can say about this, but maybe you can characterize in just some general terms, because, of course, initially the Langfeld administration was offering nearly $19 million in incentives. Uh, the Bush administration has scaled that back to closer to around $11 million, a figure they uh, came to with your assistance here. And Mayor Misty Busher told us a few weeks back that she didn't feel like uh, Mr. Rajabi had much interest in this at that lower amount. Is there room for movement here? Is there some uh, opportunity to find some some middle ground and, and some dollar amount in between those those two uh, ends of the uh, proposals? Sure, I, I think so. And, and just to clarify, the the incentive offer under the previous administration was a cap. Um, you know, basically what that means is if these types of tax revenue create uh, tax revenue that would be allow us to share this much with you, we would share up to this amount. And that's pretty common in economic development deals uh, that the local government wants to put a cap on that. And then that really puts the burden on a developer to come up with a project that's attractive enough to generate the market interest to get traffic through there and create those tax revenues. And so, you know, the mayor Busher just we'd made here locally didn't show that it was likely they would meet that cap, but now the owner can go projections, look at their own projections, and sometimes uh, developers make adjustments to the business model to be able to generate more taxes, which is better for the community and also better for the developer. So the fact that we're still having conversations shows me there is still interest on both sides. Uh, when the conversation stops, that usually means the interest has, has ceded and, and we're not moving forward. And Ryan, you, you dropped out a, a little bit there. I think I got the gist of what you were saying. I, I guess I'm a little sure. perplexed because if the $18.75 million from the Langford administration was a cap, why not just leave that in place and just say, fine, here's the deal, but you've got to get mm -hmm. to the point, you've got to generate the dollars to reach that level. That's on you, that's not on us, because it seems like this deal could have been done by now had that been the approach? 
Well, those are part of the conversations. A lot of different scenarios are being talked about between both parties, and uh, that that's what's important is both sides are exploring different options. And so, you know, you know, your question being, is there still interest? Absolutely, there is. There's still interest on both sides, and different scenarios are, are being being tossed back and forth between the parties, which is good news that we're still having those conversations. And is the 11 million uh, that Mayor Busher has talked about is that also a cap? Or it, it, again, I guess this is where I'm uh, getting to whether there's wiggle room involved here. So I, I did not hear her conversation with you about that. Um, what I know is the 11 million was what we estimated the incentives would generate. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure if she's saying was saying that was a cap or not. But that's been the communication back to the developer is that that's what our estimates are showing. Now, a developer may have a business model that makes them believe they're going to be more successful than we think they're going to be, and we want them to be successful. Um, so they may be able to to look at their own numbers and feel like they feel more confident that they would reach the cap. So these are all the things that are being sorted through. Um, and then all of this also depends on what the financial institutions want that work to finance the deal. Not to belabor this because we have other things to talk about, but one more mm-hmm. point of clarification on this. And I've been trying for a while now to get a little bit more specific information as to how that different estimate was arrived at. What what revenue sources are we talking about here and why would there be such wide variance in those figures? Uh, do you have a sense as to how, how the Langford administration came to their numbers versus how you and the Bush administration have come to the current numbers? So I, I never did see a breakdown from the previous administration about how they came up with those numbers. Um, what we do as economic developers is typically we will talk to uh, assessment officials to get the how, an idea on how they're going to assess the property value of the finished project. And that's what we use to get an idea of what the TIF revenue may be. Uh, we're estimating that the TIF, the TIF increments, less the additional property taxes over the life of a TIF, which is 23 years, was somewhere around about $6 million. Um, that's something that creates variances depending on how much different parties think the property will be worth from an assessment uh, perspective. Um, another item that was being considered to be shared back was a portion of the city's hotel motel tax money. We have to keep in mind that about 75% of that hotel motel tax is already obligated by city ordinance to other funds. So that leaves about you know 20, about 25% of that available to potentially be rebated back uh, to a hotel owner. And then also sales taxes on uh, that are generated at the location with another number that was used to help kind of determine those incentives. Um, and so that's how we put the numbers together when we were sharing those back with the owner. And how big a complication is it if you do find an agreeable incentive package here? The mayor's also indicated one of her concerns is that you're going to have then uh, the President Lincoln Hotel across the street or the Crown Plaza or, you know, any one of a dozen others saying, hey, we want the same deal too. Well, I mean, that's why you have to put together something that you're not afraid to replicate, right? Um, that that happens in business in a general way, too. I mean, if you give one customer something, they're likely to talk to another customer. And so the mayor's being very careful to understand and, and look forward at, you know, is this something that could be relevant? Hotel, too. 
Okay, and Randy, and your, your phone cut out just a little bit there. Not oh sure gosh. what's going in, but... Uh, uh, I'm sorry. No, that's that's okay. We've got the gist of it, and I want to get to a yeah. couple other things here this afternoon. Talking with Ryan McCready, Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance. Another issue we've been following for a while, and uh, we've seen some movement recently, but now the clock is running as it pertains to the Shield Sports Park at Legacy Point. Uh, any update on their financing and a target date for uh, groundbreaking because they're facing a deadline? Yeah, the, the uh, discussions on the financing side continue to progress well, um, and they've made they've made good progress here in the last couple weeks uh, with their financial institutions. It's also important to remember that the city of Springfield is also on the clock to make sure that we get uh, that, that they get some items adjusted related to the business district that exists out in that area. So both parties are working towards that end of July timeframe. That's that's uh, currently in the ordinance and, and in the agreement. And I'm, I'm feeling optimistic that by the end of July, we'll be able to move forward with the project. All right, please keep us uh, posted on that. Mm -hmm. One thing where we have seen a lot of money moving, and that's a very good thing, is on the uh, Pillsbury Project out on the north end of Springfield, where they have received an infusion of both uh, state and federal dollars in recent weeks that uh, puts them a lot closer to their goal to be able to uh, to clear that site out and prepare it for redevelopment there. So uh, give us your sense as to how easy it's going to be to get the rest of the way. Will there be the rest of the dollars that are needed to get this project completed, and, and then where do we go from there? You know, I think the uh, success that Pillsbury, moving Pillsbury forward has shown already is the best example of the old saying that success has a million fathers and failures an orphan. Uh, so, you know, as the money starts to show up, additional parties also uh, gain confidence in a positive outcome for that development. And that's what's allowed them to be successful as a group involved there has shown that they're committed in doing what's right for the community, not what's easiest for themselves. That, that they have a heart for this project. And, you know, another old saying I heard growing up in a small farm town is once you get one cow in the barn, the other ones follow right in also behind it. And as funding started to assemble, you've seen additional sources come together. So as that funding's coming together, I'm also feeling very optimistic that we're going to be able to assemble the money that they need to do do the demolition, get the site cleaned up, and get it redeveloped. You know, I, I will admit that I have been uh, surprised, pleasantly surprised, by the pace of progress that's been made in, in rounding up that funding and getting some of that work started there. Uh, so I, I guess the next question is, uh, after they get to the point where they can knock all those big buildings down and clear that mm -hmm. space, uh, is there anybody who's expressing an interest in wanting to redevelop that? I mean, it seems like a golden opportunity, but there are also some challenges there, like the big rail yard and the fact they're going to be reconfiguring North Grand for that huge uh, overpass related to the railroad uh, project there. So is anybody expressing even a, a very preliminary interest at this point in, in wanting to develop that site? Yes, I've showed the site personally to as many as three interested developers in its current state. Uh, so I'm, that's why I'm so confident about seeing that site redeveloped. Um, the U.S. EPA was nice enough to hire a private firm to show us different types of redevelopment scenarios. Uh, it's uh, the site could handle up to 250,000 square foot warehouse for some light industrial or, or use there. The proximity to the rail lines is actually a positive for redevelopment. And then the, the read, uh, redesign of North Grand Avenue creates some truck routes in and out of the site that actually help access from the truck route perspective. And so all those things coming together is a positive step forward. And we do get interest from developers already in its current state. So as we get the money assembled and 
get that site demolished, I feel really good about having a nice use on that site that grows the economy, but it's also pleasing to the neighborhood. What seems likely to you? Are we looking at manufacturing, more of logistics and, uh, like you said, warehouses, things like that? Could that someday be uh, an Amazon uh, center to move packages in and out? What's What are the possibilities? Yeah. Well, the good news for the neighborhood is it's not big enough to support something like an Amazon warehouse at 250,000 square feet. But I think you get to see something there like maybe assembly, uh, maybe some, uh, uh, you know, some, some logistics there, too. We don't want to have a super intense truck use in and out of that neighborhood. We don't want to disturb the neighborhood, although the neighborhood's already used to certain industrial uses, and there's already a rail yard there. So, that, that, you know, they do hear some of that noise. But I think you're looking at some type of light industrial assembly lighter type manufacturing in that location with all the utilities and rail access that exist there already. Ryan McCready, before we let you go, uh, the Growth Alliance was touting some good news last week on a study that ranked Springfield pretty high in terms of uh, affordability for uh, housing and for living here in this community. That's right. You know, we got a, a, an exciting rating by WalletHub in the top 10 for most affordable housing markets here in our community. And that, that's really, really a positive thing. You know, Springfield has historically had a very stable uh, real estate market. So, yes, we don't see the gigantic bubbles that happen, but we also don't see the big bust that happens a lot of times, too. And so you have very steady growth. Uh, the demand for housing here is still very good. Which, which means the overall affordability of the community is good because our cost of living is at 93% of the national average. So we know we have great schools. We have affordable housing, a great cost of living, and a great quality of life. So getting out and telling that story is part of what the Growth Alliance does, and we have a good story to tell. It's always nice when the facts are on your side. And, uh, of course, the Growth Alliance telling their story here monthly on the program, and we always appreciate your time. Ryan McCready, CEO of the Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance. Where do people find out more about all the good work you're doing? They can reach us online at thriveinspi.org. Check out our social media sites, our YouTube sites, some great informative videos about the community, or give us a call at 217-679-3500. And that is Ryan McCready, Springfield Sangamon Growth Alliance. Again, thanks for your time. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Jim.